Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Sampson with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. As always, been a fair amount of news since our last podcast on Monday. Um, captain's named, quarter, starting quarterback not, right guard named. Um, but let's just put a bow on the suspensions as, or the suspensions of Devin Butler and Max Redfield, the sort of unclear punishment for the other four players uh, before we move into football news of, of people we expect to play and start at Texas. What was sort of your opinion? Because I... If you haven't watched our instant analysis uh, post-practice yesterday, I think we were all a little bit surprised at Brian Kelly's stance on Dexter Williams, Ashton White, Kevin Stefferson, um, and Tavon Coney about he expect if they're able to play at Texas, he'll play them or he'll you know, he'll make them available. You know, I just wonder if we're playing if this is semantics or we're playing word games. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, do we we all expect Notre Dame to impose the university to impose some type of suspension for for those four guys whether it be one game or two games. You know, I don't know. There's it, it, it's certainly unusual to hear the head coach say that yeah, they'll be available to us when they're coming off albeit misdemeanor charges. This is Notre Dame, and it's always been handled very, very differently. Times have changed, no doubt, certainly since Brian Kelly has gotten there. Oh, yeah. um, but a little bit surprising to hear Brian Kelly put it in those terms that they would be available. Yeah, I figured the gun in the car would be the main reason that he's just going to say that makes it a much worse decision, and I'm going to offer a one-game suspension. I mean, I'm not going to beat the drum. I'm going to suspend him for a game. It's his decision. He might not do it. I think the university will. There could be a, a circumstance where one of those guys really – was not guilty at all, and maybe that's why it's kind of being or the one situation. or one in particular was or I think one that's one, one much probably more so. what we're dealing with yeah. with Max Redfield being a senior and the whole gun and and not belonging to him and cover ups and you know things like that. So I you know I don't know. I do find it a little bit humorous that anytime Nordheim runs into these problems, that there are certain segments of the national media that. They, they want to find where Notre Dame's being too too lenient. They're always howling at the moon. Devin about Butler got things. really good, apparently. Yeah, yeah, That's... as if Devin, <laughs> as if Brian Kelly was preserving the great career of Devin Butler. I mean, that that's just. That's crazy. That has nothing to do with it. But don't you get a? Yeah. I mean, it just I, I I get a kick out of people always waiting for that one opening where they can say, "See, Notre Dame is is too lax and too lenient." Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, people helicopter in and have no clue about where they fit <laughs> right. in the depth chart. I mean, Kendall Moore was described as a starter by some national media when he was being suspended and had never been described by the national media ever before. So it's you know, take a hard line with Kendall Moore as well. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, well, he, you know, Butler hadn't even been arraigned until yesterday, and I, I would imagine I that that the rushed it. Why that people was, needed rushed yeah, it? Yeah, I mean that, that that doesn't that doesn't mean Notre Dame's being any more stringent or less stringent. But but we but people on the outside place their timetable on things and expect them to 
without without reviewing all the facts and getting all the information, they just want them to react, and that's just not realistic. You know, I guess that's why I thought, and maybe this is the one situation, I disagree with Kelly, but maybe kudos to Kelly, I thought those guys would be suspended to just avoid the bad look. Oh, yeah, these guys might play. They had a gun on the car, but I'm not sure if that's a bad thing. So they might play against Texas. I don't know why if it was necessary right. to say that. It, that that's, what, that's what I'm perplexed about, that, that there has to be a reason why he chose that route. But I'm saying at least he didn't. He's not, he's not choosing it from public pressure like I was thinking it would happen. You know what I mean? He's making a decision. He's not saying, oh, this looks terrible. I'm going to do it because maybe, maybe one of those or two of those guys aren't as guilty as two of the other ones. And, P, you think it might go a little bit deeper with regard to, you know, the people above him that make the decisions. I yeah, that's that was my surprise was that he chose to to kind of lock horns a little bit with. Um, I didn't the interpret it that way, but, but I understand like where said, you're going with yeah, that. Yeah, and it's like I said, the sentence says confrontational is completely the wrong word, but it. I feel like he's been extremely deferential in the past and like has not wanted to step on anybody's toes, and I thought he he made a. A clear point yesterday that I've made my decision. This is how much they should be punished, and that is it. Um, now he also said it's not ultimately my decision, but I thought he was fairly clear about okay, you know what? These those four guys' internal discipline is sufficient, and I'm putting this out there. I want everyone to listen, not just in the goo, but on the other side of campus. That that's what I believe. Well, to be maybe ad- after adequate. the after the. <laughs> The situation with the academics a couple oh, of years sure, ago. Yeah. I mean, he, he that that reached a point of of ridiculousness, and I realized that that was a special situation, and dozens and dozens of people had to be interviewed beyond the football team. Hundreds. Yeah, hundreds, hundreds. probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, maybe that's a little uh, fight back from a couple of years ago. It could be. Um, moving on to actual depth chart news. We still don't have a starting quarterback, but we do have a starting right guard. That's Colin McGovern. Surprise level from you guys that McGovern ultimately beat out Hodge. I was at least mildly surprised. Yeah, I think if it was August 1st, he told me it would happen. I'd be really surprised, and then it was, I think, mildly. Yeah, we didn't that, see him yeah. in the spring. Right. I mean, I think that was a big thing. He was a tackle. He was right tackle. Right, yeah. right. And I I mean, in the, when spring started, I thought, okay, McGovern is the guy that should step forward and win this job. And it, I mean, it does make sense in that, He's a couple years older than Tristan Hodge, uh, so he's probably, I don't know how much stronger, but he obviously understands the offense a little bit better. Hodge can now back up really all three interior offensive line positions. Harry Heastan did mention, uh, just in relation to Hodge, that Mustafer had an advantage over Hodge because Mustafer has only been working at center while Hodge has been cross-training because when they were going head to head at center. I mean, it's also a little bit true of McGovern, although I don't think in August there's a whole lot of Hodge at center. I, we didn't see any. Um, Harrell was always there in yeah. the center, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But it's good that a senior probably ultimately did that. As you said yesterday, walking out, Hodge has four years of eligibility yeah. remaining. That's, 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 so, you, you know, I mean, it here. gives him another, although a guy with no career starts, obviously, and not a ton of playing. Most of his playing times, you know, blocking for 0.5 seconds on an extra point. Um, I mean, at a minimum, Tristan Hodge is going to be a three-year starter. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, so you, it's, right, it's exactly. A, so... Not a difficult loss for him. But, you know, you add another senior to the offensive line mix, and I don't think that's ever a bad thing. No, no question. Uh, Quarterback, 
Are we surprised that he doesn't know who's starting? Do we think he knows and he's just not telling us? I know he's not going to tell us ever. He's not going to. I mean, no, that for the first game he's not going to mention it. There's no reason to at this point. There's no reason to. He he knows that Kaiser's going to be the starting quarterback a majority of the season. (laughs) That's that's my opinion. I I just like how it came out there. I don't disagree with you. I, I don't either. But it's like it's July all of a sudden. The kid, oh, we know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that. I, I mean, maybe, maybe it's situational. Yeah, say? I mean, I, I thought he hinted at something we talked about on our last podcast, or or maybe it was immediately after media day that the reason to announce what the job share is so that those quarterbacks could be pissed off in <laughs> mid-August and not on the flight to Austin, Texas. And I think there's. There's real value to that. But there's still that's wait- good roster management. It is, but they're still waiting to hear who the, <laughs> yeah. the starter's going to be. And that's going to create it. We talked about that on instant analysis. I did want to bring up a point about the quarterbacks, Tim. You haven't heard this. Uh, when you, Pete, when you said that, uh, you know, Brian Kelly's not had a uh, quarterback that was a was a captain, and it got me to look back, and I went back to the what. what what I consider the modern era of uh, Notre Dame football, uh, it might be a little bit later in time for a lot of people, but the start of the era of Parsegian. Yeah. 53 years, there's been 147 captains. How many have been quarterbacks? 147 captains? Yep. I mean, that includes repeats, of course. Right, okay. Right. So how many quarterbacks have been captains? I can try right. that Hurry, dead air. Yes, this, this is great. <laughs> this is great radio. 13. 10. Okay. Yeah, just 10. And... Uh, you know, I realize there's only one quarterback position. There's five offensive line positions, and there's three linebackers, and there's right. a bigger pool from which to choose from. And it's – I need to look it up here. It's, I mean, it's the usual suspects. It's guys that you would expect to – starting with uh, Tom Clements, which ironically was the only quarterback captain of the entire – he was Parsegian. the first one from that era? Wow. Yeah, he, in Parsegian's last yeah. year, his 11th year, that was his first quarterback captain. Unless I – ran over this list a little too quickly, but Clements, Montana under Devine. Uh, Blair Keel, which we talked about, was a was an uncomfortable situation because Let me try he's and guess a senior and Burline. I'm going to try and guess and redeem my dead air. Just tell me I'm wrong and I'll stop. All right. Burline. What? Burline what? Keeled and Burline. No, Burline, Burline wasn't a captain. He's never a captain. Well, that, that's I don't think that. so. I don't think. More dead air. All right, more dead air. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, well, well, three under, three under Lou Holtz. Tony Rice, Tony Rice, Ron Paulus, Ron and, Paulus, uh, Rick Meyer, and, right? and, uh, and Rick, Rick Meyer, Meyer, yeah, and then Jerry's Jackson Jarius. and Paulus, who had a fifth year and also was a Davy captain. But you know, it's it was the next one, Brady. I mean, right? I guess it. Yeah, yeah then, it was, then it was Quinn, Quinn, Quinn and it was Clawson in two thousand nine. Great call, right which there. is an unusual. Yeah, well, captain. looking back, I mean, yeah. he had a, he had a <laughs> yes, great had a individual year. year. Uh, not exactly generally considered captain material at Notre I'll, Dame. I'll make a prediction 2017 Notre Dame of a, a captain who's a quarterback. Next year. Huh? I don't know who it's going to be, but well, there will if, be a quarterback captain next yeah, year. Yeah, but what there if, are three, what there if, are three what if Kaiser and Slater are gone? Then I think it will be Wimbush. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah I think it will be Wimbush. Come on. So that's what I'm going with. Okay. Uh, the captains this year, let's talk about that to wrap up segment one. McGlinchey, Hunter, Anwalu, and Rochelle. Um... No real surprises. I think that if they, it was funny the way they tweeted it out because they just did like these little videos and they started with Rochelle and I think it was Anawalu and then it was McGlinchey and I just tweeted out those are the three captains. <laughs> so you're mildly surprised. Yeah. yeah. So then I was a little bit surprised that Hunter was the fourth, like one percent surprised. Um, 
two on offense, two on defense. Brian Kelly said that in the practice footage they put up. It makes sense. Last year they had one on offense and five on de- or four on defense, which is a little bit weird. It's not that big of a deal, but um, I don't know. Was it? Was there anything surprising about those four to you? No, I, I was one percent surprised with Hunter too, but it makes a lot of sense because he has the, I mean, a really important group to lead in that they need a lot of guys to step forward there, and I think you maybe making him earning the captain honor there also just kind of really lets him know you are crucial to the development of this team and, the, and especially your position group. You know what's interesting about that? I was talking to Equinity St. Brown about uh, leadership, and he said, you know, they're trying to get me to talk more. And I'm like, do you even know what you're supposed to say? And he's like, not really. I mean, this is all new to me. So I rely on the older guys, Corey Robinson and Torrey Hunter. I mean, Corey Robinson is treated as almost like he's still an active part of the roster the way the receivers talk about him. Actually, someone next to me yesterday said he thought Corey Robinson was going to be named captain. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I know. And I, you that, gotta, I mean, you got to be on the roster. Yeah, but I think he, you know, I mean, a, he's I mean, always an important voice, though. Yeah, but yeah he's right. not going to be a captain. Well, I, I, voice. I wrote about him in, uh, I think it was last uh, Thursday's thoughts. And, uh, you know, I'm impressed with what he does in practice. Yeah, he, I didn't he, think he'd I mean, be he is a, He's a voice that the other receivers absolutely listen to. And it's partly because he's been through it. It's partly because he approaches it in a very reasoned manner. He's not yelling at them. I found it interesting. If a DB makes a play, Corey goes out there, Corey Robinson goes out there and congratulates the DB too. You know? (laughs) So, I mean, he's, it's a total team first act on his part. And he, I really think that he is valuable. And I made a mistake and I made a mistake. I misunderstood as to, uh, who would be traveling? I would assume Corey Robinson would travel yes. to the away games, and that's very that's I think that's very important. No, I do too. Yeah, no question. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, I thought was the he's by far the most natural of those four. I asked Deshaun Kaiser about leadership. I was asking about him and Zaire, and he said Mike McGlinchey's our leader. I was like, all right, well, I guess I know who one captain yeah. is because that's he just offered the name immediately. So yeah. he said he leads the team. Yeah, and then uh, I mean Anwalu and Rochelle. I think we've been talking about for months about. These are the guys that make the most sense with Tranquil and Cole Luke sort of being outside shots. I think Malik Zaire, Deshaun, Ka- I think Zaire, Kaiser, Luke, and Tranquil are sort of your like next level guys. Sure, it's hard to name a quarterback. Yeah, that's, two of them. I'm just saying it's like that's a decent group of personalities. I mean, I, I think for how much time we spent about how they just were bereft of leaders and this is huge vacuum, like that's a, not a bad next four uh, yeah. to rely on. So. All right, well, that's it for segment one on Irish Illustrated Center. We got a ton of questions from our readers, as you might imagine, so we'll get into all that next in segment two. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Center. Segment two questions from our readers. We got four off Twitter to start. First up, Nicholas Giblin wants to know what are the chances that Chris Fink actually gets valuable playing time this year? Tim, I'm going to let you answer that first. Well, I do think he will get some punt return time. I think they're going to give C.J. Sanders the occasional break, and he's the backup slot. I mean, he Brian Kelly said he held off Corey Holmes. C.J. Sanders is going to play every snap just because, I mean, he's the smallest guy on the team. He's a kick returner, punt returner, and slot. I think he doesn't have good stats at the end of the year, but he gets some playing time in every game. He gets a snap in every game. Yeah, I don't know about punt returns. I, I I mean, I would think that Sanders would hold that job sure, down. Sure, he'll win the job, yeah. Yeah, um, and I don't know that they'd dump him. And I don't know that you want him returning kickoffs. But, look, he's involved in the Z position. You know, I'm I, I'm leaning t- 
towards what you're saying about Sanders having a big year or, you know, being a, a big part of their offense. But Fink's in the rotation. I mean, whether he's a walk-on or a scholarship player, he's, he's in the rotation at Z. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. now he's a scholarship player, so over under five and a half catches. <laughs> over. Over. Yeah, I think I'd go over that. If you're talking touchdowns, obviously it would be really limited. But yeah, I think more than that. You know that I mean, that position should be a weapon for them. That you you're you're always getting favorable matchups. I agree. I more, agree. More catches than Corey Robinson or Corey Corey Robinson. I'm sorry, Corey Holmes. Yes or no? Mm, that's a good one. I think probably yes. I, I, I definitely say yes. yes. All right, next up. Ryan McCarty, we've heard a lot about the inexperience at wide receiver, but what are your predictions for tight end production this year? I, you know, I still think fairly modest. I, I, I'm kind of anticipating that Wisher ends up having more big plays than than Smythe does. Yeah, I think we agree on that, right? Um, you know, I, I, I just I don't think that that's a, a, a real feature position unless you have a Tyler Eifert playing it, and they don't. I'm going to let Pete answer next because since I did a staff survey, I'm privy to both answers. So okay. he's up next. All right. I, have, I am super high on Nick Wisher <laughs> this year. Uh, yeah, so I, I think he's going to be Notre Dame's most productive tight end, at least in the receiving game, by a wide, wide margin. I mean, it's... I think he looks like the more explosive of the two yeah. players. I mean, like 25, 30 catches. Good type season for him. I hope you're right. I think, I think that would really uh, yeah, benefit I think offense. it'll be. I think it'll be less than that, but I kind of... I, I like Nick Wisher a lot. But yeah. I, I do think that it gets spread out a little bit. All right, next up, uh, Chris Tr- Tammy wants to know, what is a trap game on the schedule that no one is talking about making it a true trap game? I guess mine then, Duke, right? Yeah. That's what I've been sticking with because I think Notre Dame can can make it out of Michigan State 3-0. and I don't think they are going to have that focus of a week of practice for Duke. You know Duke will. And I can tell you one thing, win or lose, that stadium will be quiet. When Duke comes to town, and that does not help Notre Dame's situation. It's one of those games where Notre my kids are going. I don't know what, like, are you, are you saying they're not going to cheer for Notre Dame? Notre Dame, your kids are going. <laughs> okay. no, you can go. That might there's be There's going to be a lot of complaining. There's going to be a lot of, if there's a lot of five-year-olds, four-year-olds, yeah. and three-year-olds yeah. in that stadium. Yeah. It might be a little bit different. But, yeah. you know, that's one of those games where I see Notre Dame, you know, going to 14 nothing. Everybody's like, oh, this is going to be great. And all of a sudden, it's 21-21 in the fourth quarter. I agree. I mean, obviously, Michigan State and Stanford can't be trap games. Those are big right. games. I think any one of the other four home games can be a trap game. Nevada, Brian Pullian has a he has a veteran team in certain spots, and they and he's got a, he has a returning quarterback. Totally agree with you with Duke. You know, I love David Cutcliffe. When there was talk about oh Brian Kelly's going to go to the NFL, I said hire David Cut, Cutcliffe. He's a stabilizing force. He's a good football coach. His team's going to be fundamentally sound and play good football. Unfortunately, they lost their quarterback in February. And then Miami and Virginia Tech, I think, are both games that could fall into that category, and you're not necessarily expecting... You know, those those two teams should be improved teams. I know they both have new coaches. I think they're both going to I agree infuse a little bump for them and probably be better coached. You know, Beamer, which best days were probably behind him. I think the best point for Nevada is, you made great points with Polian, it's five days in between the Texas game and Nevada. And being the sky-high feeling of Texas, the only game in town, and then Nevada. I don't know. It's Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. I, I, choose I, think, du- I choose Duke. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think Duke is a great pick. I think if you haven't read up on NC State, that's an easy pick, too. Um, just because they've got 
some ingredients to maybe spoil the broth a little bit, but they're not like a good team per se, but they have some nice components. So there are a bunch of them. I, I think Notre Dame is going to end up playing a lot of seven to five teams this year. And seven to five teams are usually always good enough right. to beat one really good team. Right. All right. Next Twitter question is from Dan Kelly. And he wants to know, no Alize Jones, no Corey Robinson. Who is the red zone threat at wide receiver? I think we mentioned one, Wisher. I think Nick Wisher will be a very good player down there. And and I, I'm holding holding down the fourth that Miles Boykin will kind yeah, of emerge in that realm. I, those are my two picks. Yeah, yeah no, Miles Boykin, I think, yeah. is the, the straight. I, I think Miles Boykin is, that's his role. You can throw a fade to him and have it make sense. Like, and a slant, that's a too. That's why it's tough. Yeah, man, you get those, you use those arms the right way. He's going to be a very difficult cover. We're out of Twitter questions. Okay, Terry Benedict asks, what will this team's identity be halfway through the season? I don't know if they're going to have one. I mean, I think this is going to be a work in progress all year. Um, playing two quarterbacks sort of is going to eliminate the chance to have a true identity. But I think if they if they have an identity at all, I think they're going to be a let's just run left team. Um, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about the defense though. But I, I'd say if you can make if you make the identity, let's run left. I'm good with that. I think that's a good idea. You could probably run left on the defense, too, if yeah. you want to be honest about it. But uh, <laughs> You know, I, I think that Notre Dame, that I'm going strictly halfway through the season here, I think they'll have one loss. And I think that the identity is kind of just somewhat on the outside looking in. Like, there's going to be a lot of people thinking, maybe they can run the table, maybe they can, and I wouldn't think they could. I just think they're going to be on the outside looking in at that point. Would be, I... I... When I hear what's the identity of the team, I, I, I lean toward offense, right? I mean, don't you think offense first when you're talking about identity yeah. team? At least I, I am. And, and I mean, I still I think this is it's it should be a pretty balanced offense. I think they're going yeah. to run the football with that left side and knowing what Alex Bars can do on at right tackle. They have running backs. Uh, they rushed for 200 yards a game last year. I think that's going to be comparable, and I expect. Deshaun Kaiser to get the majority of the snaps, which means they're going to throw the heck out of the football with Brian Kelly as the as the guy running the the whole show. So I mean, I said I think a pretty balanced offense again, like last year. I have a question off this question for both of you. What is better component for Notre Dame? Their running backs and their offensive line, or their quarterbacks and their wide receivers? Running backs and offensive line. They, it's got to be a balanced attack then, because you know they're going to throw also. So you would that's assume you have to have a balanced attack. That's a good way of putting it. All right. Next up, uh, Ant. For ND Irish, and this was a we had a Twitter question on the subject too. Coach Kelly has asked post practice in interview if the other four players are practicing. It's the four underclassmen. He says they're suspended. He says they were suspended, and yes, they're practicing. My question is, do you think he lets them play if the school rules no punishment? And when would that decision be made? He did which make is the most interesting part of it. He did make a point of saying yesterday, not that they're going to play, but they they would be available. Yeah. Yes, and, and that you know there may be something involved in that. But to answer the question, I would say yes. Yeah, and I think the available thing. Maybe he's leaving himself open to like I can't say they're not going to play in Texas because I might lose a will linebacker, another wide receiver, or a. I can't think of the players. Another cornerback, and then you think, or the, and the more special teams guys. I mean, maybe he's going to need them. He might think I might need someone, and I can't just blank, you know, pigeonhole myself at this point. Yeah, there's no reason to back yourself in right. a corner there if you don't have to, and he doesn't have to. Um, you know, he, in terms of the timeline of the punishments, I mean, reading up on the Office of Community Standards last yeah, night. Yeah, I got to learn that phrase. It I can't say it. I have to say res life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I don't know what the timeline is going to be. It's, 
Brian Kelly used the term expedited. Um, that's not something we associate with these kind of decisions very often. Um, but look, that entire department has been torn down and rebuilt. We've come a long way from Kyle McElarney getting thrown out of school for smoking weed in the car. Um, so, well, they were smoking weed in the car. So yeah, you would you would like to think that they can make a decision. The school year is in session. We're not on any kind of break here. You can make a decision within a week, take your punishments, and move on. So I, you would think by the time Brian Kelly is talking to the media for the final time before they go to Texas on that Thursday, he will know they're in or they're out. He but, has to, right? What's your guess? You think? Will he know? Will he? Oh, yeah, will yeah. He? No, okay, I, did, I, I, know by I have faith in the, in the, uh, in the it's called. Office <laughs> of Community Standards. Uh, Wash NDS, <laughs> are you going to read anything into who takes the first snap against Texas? And if one plays significantly better than the other, will the two QB system be history after the first game? Oh, we a, weighed in on this last week. Yeah, that's. I don't. I think they're definitely using that against Nevada for the sheer purpose of it. Doesn't matter who plays great to show Michigan State that they have to prepare for two quarterbacks. That yeah. makes total sense from a strategic standpoint. It's the only thing that definitely makes sense. So I do not think it's history after one game. I know Pete does not think it's history after one game. No, I, I think it's going to go on through the bye week. Uh, you know, this is just the story that's never going to go away. And, I mean, as I phrased this question to Brian Kelly a while back, I said, like, short of annoying press conferences, what's the downside of this? Because that is going to be so annoying all year that we're going to have to spend half of every <laughs> press conference parsing every single damn thing about the quarterback. Maybe relatively speaking to yesterday's press conference. I pledge. Oh, gosh. Well, I, I pledge that I will not ask a question <laughs> about, who's, about who's starting and who's playing while that's still going on. Okay. I asked my nope. last question pertaining... Well, because I had to ask yesterday because no nobody followed up last week with who's... Okay, yeah. they're both going to play. Who's actually going to start? And his answer was probably the same yesterday as it would have been a week ago, and that is he doesn't know yet. He will get asked Tuesday and Thursday. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, I won't be the one asking. All right. Tim will Priest, you? Jim Peaster, I will not, no. Tim Priester quarterback rotation questions over I, under is 0. 0.5, and I Tim Priester is betting the under on himself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question is from egrees 6 Does Brian Van Gorder finally simplify his defense enough to allow a young player like Devin Stutzel to succeed? I know people wish he did that with Niles Morgan. Or do players like Cole Luke and Drew Tranquil cancel that need given their experience and knowledge of the defense? No. Tim? <laughs> Will he simplify it? No, um, no. I don't think he'll he'll simplify it. He, he may really modify it. I guess that would be simplifying it. Look, I think Drew Tranquil. <laughs> I think Drew Tranquil gives them a guy that can direct traffic back there at strong safety, which they didn't really have with Elijah Shoemate. You know, Elijah Shoemate was able to, I thought, play much better last year. But I don't think that he's a traffic cop out there the way Tranquil can be. So. That will help. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think to some extent it will be reduced Almost you have so to. that Studstill can be effective. And I want to say this about Studstill. We're going to look, we're, and it's going to happen early in the year. This, his ball skills alone are going to make them better at that position. Yeah, he's, going to ma- he's going to make a play within the first couple weeks of the season where you're going to say, okay, maybe he doesn't know everything he needs to know. But in a jump ball situation, I like having Devin Studd still you know, out there. I went back and watched the spring game because I had nothing else to do, apparently. Um, and, I mean, Devin Studd still reads things out 
pretty well when it's a clear line of sight. When there's traffic in front of him, it's a little bit harder. Um, he did lose the ball on sort of a broken play that Justin Brent made on the sideline. Um, just couldn't, could not find it. But I, I agree with what Tim's saying. I think his ball skills are much better than Max Redfield or Elijah Shoemates. Um, and I do think there's going to be a point this season where he makes a PBU where you're just like, whoa, God, that was really impressive. Um, I just I, I think the sky is the limit for this kid. We I think we tend to sometimes get a little too caught up in scheme and forget that most of football is just make a play. Here's a, here's a ball up in the air, offensive player, defensive player, who's going to make a play? With Devin Studstill, we saw it on high school film, and since his early entry in the spring, we've seen it as eyewitnesses in person. The guy has really, really good ball skills, and he's going to make a lot of plays for them on the back end. Prediction number 18 in the Summer Series comes up today. I'm going to say it now. Devin Studstill will have more interceptions this year than Max Redfield had in his career. How many did it? Two. Okay, yeah. 23 I, starts. I totally agree, which is why I think Notre Dame's secondary is going to get a bump in interceptions this year with Luke and and you add Crawford into the equation. I, I think that I think there's going to be a bump in Notre Dame interceptions this year. All right, well, before we get out of here, we're coming back September 1st. So who starts at safety against Texas? I still think it'll be Studs. I mean, uh, Sebastian and Tranquil will start the game at safety. Tim? Studs still. I think it's going to be Studs still and Tranquil. All right. We'll be back September 1st. That's next Thursday. Uh, that's a, a game week, and we'll have game predictions talking about an actual game that we played of football uh, and before hopefully all three of us are on the road to Austin, Texas. So until next week, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider.